0: Hello, welcome back to the being Pod. I am your host, Anna Smith. And if you're tuning in, you're tuning into the Being Black in Creating Space series, where I talk to a variety of creators and creatives about how they're creating space in the various industries they find themselves in. Today, I'm super, super excited to be talking with Brittany Turner. She's a multi-hyphenate who moved from Chicago to New York six years ago to pursue her dream career of working in fashion and beauty. And as a curator of all things entrepreneurship and wellness, she loves to share tips with her audience and how they can become a more balanced boss by infusing the right mindset habits into their daily routine. I think I honestly felt like I fell in love with your page um, like quick. I feel like every single time that I like talk about uh, or talk to people, or guests on like my podcast about like how I found them, it's always like, oh, look, I like saw like a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I mm-hmm. well, like Might as well follow, but like saw your page and like immediately was like follow. Like, I don't even know exactly what real it was, but I was like, mm-hmm. oh, no. I need whatever she's got, I need to have it too. So I'm really, really excited to be talking with you, getting to know you more. Um, And I really love just like the vibe of your page and kind of, again, kind of how you curate, you know, your, your content for people. Um, So as a consumer, really wanted to say that up front, Um, but to give me and our listeners a point of reference, we are going to be starting off with four initial questions to kickstart our conversation. Are you ready?
1: Yes, I am. And I just want to say thank you, Camille, for having me on your podcast. This is amazing. And I'm excited to chat with you all.
0: What does being Black mean to you?
1: Uh, Being Black means everything to me, um, down to the way that I carry myself, the type of hairstyles that I wear, um, or even how I'm presented in a room. It just means um, just like, a full embodiment of just confidence, um, being tied into my root, having the experience or the opportunity to share my culture and my roots with other people in the workspace or on the street. Um, just being proud of where I am. I, I follow, um, black Twitter threads on Instagram and <laughs> my fiance is always laughing because like, that is like, the highlight of my evening like when i'm winding down just scrolling through and laughing at things that like only black women and black men could like bond over it's just it's like a, a fully bonded and like connected moment um for me and i feel like that's what being black means
0: when did you first figure out you're black i feel like a lot of people whether that be like a childhood memory um mm-hmm. unfortunately sometimes peoples are more negative negative than positive but do you got to have like a first thought of like oh, okay i'm black or oh maybe i'm a little bit different from other people
1: for sure i feel like this definitely happened for me in elementary school um so i i grew up or i went to um a catholic school for elementary school and for high school and so i was in the classrooms with like a bunch of, like a diverse set of um students And just seeing like the different skin tones or even like seeing like the different um, ethnicities or cultures um, was just like shocking for me because like I'm from the south side of Chicago. Like I only see like people of color or black or um, brown people in my neighborhood. And so being going to school is just seeing like people different from that um, definitely took some getting used to and just like educating myself and then of course, like talking to my parents about it, but definitely grammar school is when I kind of like realized my blackness and uh, in evolving through that through hairstyles and wondering, oh, every time I go outside, my hair keeps getting puffy. Why can't it be straight? Like, you know, such and such in my class, it, it was kind of like realizing this is my uniqueness as a black girl and then evolving into a black woman. Um, and then accepting of that right and not trying to chase the stereotypical mode or modes that like we often fall right in. So grammar school was eye-opening for me.
0: <laughs> so how was it growing up in your area? So you just mentioned that you're from Southside Chicago. How was that?
1: Mm-hmm. That was, it was great. So we lived across the street from a church, um, but the surrounding areas, you know, you would kind of like see or either hear like of some like gang violence or just things happening so my parents definitely were hesitant of like letting me like you know do things that you would typically do in the neighborhood like ride your bike down the street or just other things or talk to the neighbors the kids next door and so there was like some hesitancy surrounding that so it kind of felt limited um so when I went to school it felt like my outlet And, and when I moved to New York that felt like I had such free range to just like move the way I really wanted to move and move comfortably right um but otherwise it, I wouldn't trade it for the world I feel like I've learned so much about myself and just like more of what being black in being in a black neighborhood or a predominantly black and brown neighborhood and feeling that connected and community feeling as well like, as you, like, grew up through,
0: you know, K through 12, and then even going off to college, what were kind of, like, the main differences between growing up in Southside and then going off to school or even starting to work?
1: I feel like I ended up having a different perspective. Um, So, a lot of the people or the kids who might have lived on my block, they might have only gone on that radius, right? Like, some of them, they went to the neighborhood schools, maybe they didn't venture downtown too much, maybe they didn't go away to college. And so it provided me with like a lot of perspective and a lot of um, the ability to kind of see things through the lens of my peers who might not be, um, who might not be black or brown or the, the ability to carry myself in a room with other people or being the minority in a room, um, especially coming from a PWI like I did Um, with these large lecture halls where it's quite possible that you might only see like three or four of someone like you in the lecture hall. And I feel like that helped me be able to operate in different spaces, especially as I moved to New York and saw that that there wasn't much representation in the fashion and beauty industry as well. Right.
0: So in that vein, do you have any advice for yourself?
1: I think my advice would be to venture out a little bit more. I think that when you come from the South Side or you come from a neighborhood that's predominantly Black or Brown, it could be easy for you to kind of like want to cling on to that throughout high school or cling on to that community throughout college. But I really wish, and I tell my friends this all the time, I really wish that I would have like stepped out a little bit more of the bubble um, and kind of just like made more friends from different backgrounds, from different races and kind of just like understood their culture a little bit more instead of trying to cling to my little bubble of what I felt comfortable with. Not to say that I wouldn't be able to still immerse myself in my Black community, but, like, be able to expand a little bit more and travel a little bit more and just understand different cultures a little bit more. I like that. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Do you think now, of course, moving to New York or, like, just being able to move out of
1: Southside, like, that you've been able to do that now? Oh, yes, absolutely. (laughs) I think I feel like once I moved to New York, even, like, being on the trains, um, I remember my first job uh, was in marketing. I was at this appliance e-commerce company in Brooklyn, and uh, at that point, like, I, Chicago is a little segregated in a way. Like, um, you know, you see, like, a mix of people in the downtown area, but in the inner communities, you kind of just see, like, that specific um, that specific race. And so going to New York is, it truly is a melting pot. Like I was able to connect and just like make so many other friends and have so many different colleagues in different industries and different races and different ethnicities. And it, I, I couldn't have thought or dreamed up of like a better experience to get to know other people and to just expand in that way that didn't really have to do anything with me like traveling far or traveling to another country like New York definitely is all-encompassing and very diverse um, so that was amazing for me.
0: Oh I love that I feel like New York is known of course for being melting pot as you said and just being um, really a hub for creatives and just like creating things. Absolutely. your art scene, uh, photography, now you know content creators um so how has New York been able to kind of nurture your ability to create because I'm assuming that you've always been maybe a creative person but then Mm -hmm. later in your life you kind of started to be able to tap into that so when did your want to create kind of start and how did New York nurture that a little bit
1: yeah you know I started my YouTube channel and my blog back in I want to say like 2012 2013 and that was back when like you had to start a blog on like blog.com or something like that um but when I I remember the summer that I started it I brought it back to college was talking to my friends about it and everyone was like a blog like what's that like where are you doing this um and so it was very very new especially in Chicago right where Chicago, comparatively to New York, doesn't really have, like, a big fashion or beauty scene, and so I felt like people were kind of, like, slower, a little bit slower to the process, or slower to the understanding of blogs and social media and things like that, so I tried to, I tried my best to, like, do what I could, talking about fashion and beauty on campus and things like that, and immersing myself in, like, the student newspaper and radio, and it, it just felt like I was so limited and kind of how I could expand. And there weren't really many other, many people that I can kind of turn to Mm -hmm. and um, receive like inspiration from. And so when I moved to New York, I made a promise to myself that I would fully immerse myself. I would sign up for events, um, meet new people, even if that meant like me attending events by myself. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first couple of events that I went to meeting other creators or just other people in the industry. I was just kind of like, oh, so this is this is what it's like to like find my people like this is what it's like to find people who understand like what I'm trying to do or do similar things and so honestly from there like sparked so much creativity and inspiration because everyone was either in the same industry or if they weren't they were so so wanting to help me connect to this person or network with this person and I felt like it was just like that having that type of supportive community really did a helped me expand in ways that I didn't even think was even possible so this was
0: initially when you initially moved to New York I'm assuming that you did have a nine-to-five right yes okay so when did you kind of decide to pivot into entrepreneurship since that's such a huge um like focus for you now when what what, would the story about how you decided to switch from your nine-to-five into full-on entrepreneurship Mm
1: -hmm. so I've always been an entrepreneur at heart um I remember when my aunt, she got me like this bead set when I was in grammar school and I took the bead set. Oh my God. It was like this huge bead set. Um, It had literally everything in it. I literally drug that thing to school. And during recess, I popped it open, hired my friends to make bracelets with me (laughs) and I sold them. Like I was always thinking of like some type of business always naming some type of business. My mom could like tell you so many stories. Um, so I feel like the end goal for me has always been entrepreneurship. Um, and even in working in corporate or working on the beauty side, after a while, like I started to feel that pull of like, I just feel like I want to just do it for myself or do, you know, try like see what I could do if I was on my own. Um, so I moved to New York in 2016. I ended up becoming a full-time entrepreneur in 2020 during the pandemic. Um, I was working for a beauty company and, um, I made a tweet and I was like, by my 28th birthday, I will be a full-time entrepreneur. So when my 28th birthday rolled around, I was like, oh crap, (laughs) I think I got to hold myself accountable to that. And I had saved up like $10,000. And I was like, all right, Brittany, we're just, we're just going to do it. And I had already started my coaching business February of that year. So I did have a bit of a clientele, but that first month when I made $700, I think, or probably like $500, I was just like, well, that's not even enough to cover my rent. (laughs) But I think, um, I'd always knew that I was going to be an entrepreneur it was just when and when I felt would be the right time to do it right
0: I think something that like at least conversations I've had with like my friends recently I feel like with the rise of content creators um and like kind of being your own boss which again is a very good play on words with the actual company boss up um I I feel like there's a lot of inconsistency with entrepreneurship so I would love to hear how you balance that, especially given that you also have a focus on your mental health. I feel like sometimes you can kind of, kind of get wrapped up in the fact that like money just will not be as consistent as a nine to five potentially could be. Um, of course, you know if you have certain connections, you have multiple streams of income. Like yes, you can make it consistent, but how do you try to balance it yourself? Um, and if, do you have any advice for other people that are considering entrepreneurship and kind of making that pivot that you did?
1: I will definitely start off with the advice that my mom gives me all the time, which is all money is not good money. So working yourself to the core and losing track of your mental health and well-being should never come at the risk of making money, right? Um, And I feel like I learned this uh, when I first started the boss up back in 2020. I... Was starting to gain traction. I, I had coaching clients, and then I decided that I wanted to turn to more like a full suite of social media management and influencer management services. Um, and with that, we were doing well, right? I, I had about like 10 to 12 clients. Um, I was able to grow my team so I can like maintain these clients. But then after a while, I want to say like, after like a full year, I was just like, this is not sustainable for me. Um, my stress levels were very high. The more clients we got, the more people I had to hire to help manage those clients. Right. And it was just, I, I didn't see it going into a pathway of maybe success, but I didn't see it uh, going to a pathway where I felt like I had true time for myself um, and that I wasn't being stressed and burnt out. And so In that process was actually how I birthed Meraki, which is um, my brand, uh, productivity brand that focuses on giving um, entrepreneurs the tools to be successful. So we have our productivity planner. And then I also decided to shift the the mission of the boss up to more so help entrepreneurs and creators bridge the gap between boss life and wellness. And I feel like I feel more at peace with that after that shift, knowing that this is something that I'm passionate about and and something that I'm constantly advocating for, especially for entrepreneurs and 72% of entrepreneurs end up being depressed. And I feel like that's something that we don't really talk about often. Um, So I think being able to make that shift and provide education around that, it's just been like the best feeling.
0: You found a very important
1: gap because
0: mm-hmm. you said people don't talk about that. People always talk about like, oh, like being your own boss is great, and like you sh- you don't have to work for anybody else. But there's mm-hmm. pressure that comes with it um, because one of the luxuries, which is I-, I guess kind of funny to say that, one of the luxuries of having a nine to five and having a boss is you can almost like blame them for things. Um, mm-hmm. it, everything does not fall on you. Like you don't have to take all the accountability for. It's mm-hmm. to it work out the way that you want it to. Um, so although, of course, there's many you know positives of being an entrepreneur, like you said, I mean, you said 72% of people are entrepreneurs and are being depressed. That makes sense. I would honestly expect it to be a little bit higher, given that a lot mm-hmm. of people, um, again, have to put a lot of pressure on themselves, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. You're talking about your productivity planner. That is what I followed you off of. So could you actually talk to the listeners more about why you made the productivity planner? What exactly is it? Where could they also purchase it? Um, it I, I, I pride myself on being a very productive person, but I just really like the concept of being able to put it into something tangible like a
1: planner. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, I, so during that process of the pandemic, I had just started full time entrepreneurship. I had just got out of a three year long relationship and I was finally living on my own and so all during a pandemic right um and so I really poured into myself I journaled a lot and I like went through like six to eight journals that year just like journaling my thoughts and then in doing that I realized that um there wasn't really anything that I've seen that was all encompassing, right? Like I felt like I had my journal here and then I had my planner here and then I had my gratitude journal here. And I was just like, well, what if I created an all in one planner that was specifically for entrepreneurs to help them manage their stress levels and to help them just like think clearly about their goals and what they're trying to achieve month over month but also allowing them to reflect and give them grades if they maybe fall short in some areas. Mm -hmm. And so that's how Meraki was born. I was just like, I feel like there needs to be an all-in-one tool specifically for the entrepreneur who feels like their health and well-being is just falling by the wayside. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there's so many planners that help you be productive and all of that, but what are the planners that help you feel grounded while also tying you into the productivity mode. So I'm entering year two of Meraki, which is very exciting, but also comes with its own challenges of having a tangible product that you have to sell. Um, But you can find our productivity planner on itsmerakico.com. We launched our 2023 planner, but happy to say that this year we'll actually have an undated planner. I understand like it's March. So like, Undated Planner was definitely important for me to launch just so you can pick it up whenever you want to um, and you can start it whenever you want to. So you can purchase it there. Um, Also, if you're in the Chicago area, we will be at the Black Girl Art Show on April 16th. And so you can stop by and say hi and pick up a Meraki Planner and some of our other products that we launched this year there as well. That's so cool. I feel like I, with a lot
0: of things, such a weird person because I feel like I really do prioritize productivity, but then I'm also a perfectionist. So like when yeah. I didn't like start up my planner like right at January, I'm like, oh, like all these pages, I'm like not using. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I like know that I've got therapy, I've talked about it. Like I know that I can't have that way of thinking all the time, but it just like hurts my soul. <laughs> uh dates will be very positive for people like me. Um, yeah. oh, so I don't have to pick that up. That's
1: awesome. Yeah, my mother-in-law, she actually like, she had the um 2022 planner and some of the things she wasn't able to get to. And so she took her white out and like, why out the dates and like wrote new dates? I'm like, you I don't have to do this. We're coming out with 2023, but <laughs> she couldn't help herself. Yeah, no, I definitely align with her because I don't
0: know. <laughs> it's like, I don't even know where that like those tendencies even like stemmed from really, but I don't know. I feel like I just always want everything to be perfect, which is why like, even as a content creator, I have to kind of like take a step back and be like, you know, everything is not going to be perfect the first time. Even with my podcast mm-hmm. in particular, I ended up I launched it in December of 2020, and I was like super good at putting out content. Like I was like really good at like being proactive, like finding guests, you know, recording, editing, you know, scheduling stuff, all this stuff. And then I like missed one week, and I was like, oh my gosh, well, like now, like, <laughs> like this is dumb. And then I ended up taking off, like really for like most of. I think I went until, like, April of 2021 or so, Mm -hmm. took time off, and then wasn't creating, and then a bunch of my friends and even people that I didn't know were like, where are the episodes? Like, what's going on? And I was like, ah, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. I, like, missed a week, and, like, now I feel bad about it. So that's why Mm -hmm. I need to do seasons instead of just, like, putting out content, because I think it'll just be way more... To streamline. So, like, I know, like, I'm going to be able to put out 10 episodes. People can consume that. And then, once I have another 10 episodes, or at least I have 10 guests, you know, that are confirmed and talk with me, then I'll be able to, again, put out, you know, those 10 episodes instead of like, I just don't want the
1: same thing to happen again. Mm -hmm. I definitely feel you on that. I'm, you're talking to an anxious perfectionist as told by my my past it's so difficult and and as a person who wants things to be perfect and sometimes feel anxious when things are not I've learned that it will affect my follow-through right like Mm -hmm. I would have had like maybe this whole idea and then the moment something goes wrong I'm just like okay like uh, I don't know what to do and I kind of like retract Um, And then I all of a sudden don't do anything for like months. And so what I've learned about myself is that automation is key. Like I need to put systems in place in order for me to automate so that I stay on track. And so um, even like for you, like bulk recording, oh my gosh, bulk recording, bulk doing anything saves lives lives, like, and saves me from so much stress because otherwise I'm just going to be in my head about it.
0: Right. and then it might
1: not ever happen and I do realize too like
0: being a perfectionist like we both definitely are our biggest critic like mm-hmm. I like recently like over the past like few weeks I've been like talking to my i and like oh like my content just hasn't been what I wanted it to be and like did all this stuff and then people more people that of course like I don't know my friends are very very supportive so I'm very right happy to mm-hmm. have you know that people that are like you know like you're being dumb like you're doing fine like you're doing great um But while I'm like going through that, like internal battle, so many random people have been like reaching out to be like, oh my gosh, I like literally love this video. or Like whatever. Meanwhile, I'm like tearing things apart and I'm like the cognitive dissonance is just like crazy. But I I know that I just have to
1: keep putting things out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it is difficult when you don't see like the results that you're aiming for. But honestly, I feel like the best moments are when you're putting it out and then it unexpectedly Reaches the people that you wanted to reach, or an unexpectedly has like a million views. Like, you just never know what's going to resonate with someone. And so, you would really be doing yourself and other people an in, in, in injustice by not releasing your content right. just because you're being overcritical about it in that moment.
0: Right. I saw a TikTok recently of uh, a podcast. Of, I believe it was the owner of Topicals. And she was. Mm talking about how our destinies are intertwined and it's almost like like you said like it's almost like irresponsible to not like do what you feel that you should be doing because somebody else that you don't even know is relying on you to do something so that they can live out their destiny and I was like whoa
1: like yes that is and and I saw that too It, it is so true um I remember uh Emma Emma is one of our favorite Meraki girls. She's amazing. But she sent a message to me and she was just like, You know, your planner was the first decision that I made that I was going to bet on myself and go after my dreams. And I was just like, My, like, this product that I just created prompted that. And she's doing so well now. She's crushing it in like her content creation. And I'm just, so proud that like if I would have stayed in my head about oh are people gonna like this product like I, then it, that it would have never prompted this um and so that's why it's important to put your content out there put your thoughts out there no matter how you feel like it may come off or if you feel like it's dumb it's not somebody out there is going to relate to it and even being on TikTok I realized that I have never had an original thought
0: because sure. I'm always
1: seeing somebody saying something that I'm like, oh my God, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> so just, just put your content out there. Yeah, no, I'm really happy that you were
0: able to have that reaffirming moment. And I feel like a lot of times it can be very discouraging if like your content's not performing well or like whatever you're trying to do is not doing what you want it to. So to be able to hear somebody in front of you saying like, no, like because of you, I've been able to do X, Y, Z. I'm really happy that you're able to experience that. Oh, I can't wait to get a planner. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, but towards the end of our episodes, we do something called this or that. Basically, I'm going to ask you a series of five questions and you just have to tell me which one you prefer. You do not have to give me an explanation if you don't want to. If do. <laughs> that is up to you. Um, but are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. All right. Coffee or matcha? Coffee. Work at home or work
1: in a coffee shop? Work at home. Though I would love to be a coffee shop work girly. (laughs) Okay. Would you rather have a fully scheduled day
0: or a go with the flow
1: day? Go with
0: the flow day. Okay. A cocktail or a mocktail? Cocktail. Okay. And lastly, beauty or fashion?
1: Beauty. Beauty. Mm -hmm. Okay, you know what i would say fashion but i've realized in working from home that i i kind of keep like the same pieces in rotation Mm -hmm. unless i'm going somewhere but beauty i'm always i'm always gonna find (laughs) new products to use are
0: there any products right now whether that be like skincare makeup that you've just
1: been absolutely loving recently I am obsessed with Youth to the People. Um, it's their kale cleanser, I believe. They just oh my gosh! Their
0: new, um, I'm motioning to my eyes. Uh, their new like eye serum. They like re- they literally just like released. Oh, really like
1: it. I, I am just so sad that like I I recently ran out of the cleanser and I need to get some more. But that has been my holy grail cleanser. Like nothing compares <laughs> to that. Yeah. Um so that's like one of the products that I've been loving um lately okay yeah no I really really
0: like that cleanser too actually one of my skincare content creator mutuals um she actually sent me like a a little one because I guess like she was on her PR list like a while ago and they like sent out maybe like a travel pack or something mm-hmm. like I want to try it but like I just want to like try like a small one girl I was that so quick
1: <laughs> yep but like, let me go on a sport and grab a full bottle because no seriously it's so good and like another like um uh, well exfoliant is by Neutrogena like I, I love their exfoliant um and I feel like it's just has been like my holy girl for years
0: I don't think I've tried it before all
1: right I gotta try it to look into um where can our listeners find you you can find me over on Instagram and TikTok at it's Brittany nicole underscore. Um, and then you can find me on thebossofagency.com um, if you want to read any of our blogs or attend any of our upcoming events. And then Meraki at itsmerakico.com.
0: Perfect. And for the listeners, I'm going to put all that in the show notes. So everything will be clickable cool and easy for you to be able to find Brittany. Um, but towards the end of our show, also, I like to give people their flowers. Um, I think one of the one of my favorite things about this podcast is a it's very much like a passion project of mine. Um, it very much started back in twenty twenty, of course. And I um, was honestly feeling like relatively like hopeless uh, during the mm-hmm. time, and I just like really felt like I like wanted to like do something. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess you know it manifested into just like having conversations with other black people, learning about them um and really tapping into the back of blackness of course is not a monolith and like we all have very very um different stories but also I've never had any unique thoughts so we of course can bond (laughs) things but I think for me it's always very special when I'm able to talk with someone like that I like love consuming their content Um, because I think as like a content creator now and now that I even feel comfortable calling myself that um you always like see you know what people put online but then to be able to actually like talk to the person and like be like wow like you know their content's awesome but also like they're like a really cool person too and like it's the whole experience like better so like the next time I see a reel it's like ah like already love like Britney's content but like also she's mm-hmm. a person so like definitely gonna double tap um so I don't know I just I really appreciate your willingness to talk with me to take time to talk with me um and then also just as a consumer like being able to put out content that not only focuses on like being you know the quote unquote, what if you be, ta- be, be talking about like the, the boss girl era, like everyone's like uh-huh. <laughs> and also being like, ah, but like, make sure your mental health is good, too. <laughs> like, exactly. You like, you know, push to the side, like doing boss girl things, like make sure that's also at the forefront. Uh, exactly. For me, I always feel like I need to remind myself. So you are one of those people that every time I see your contact, it always reminds me like, oh, like, how am I actually feeling today? Do I need to take a mm-hmm. rest? Like, what does that look like? And that rest actually is productive crazy Mm -hmm. uh really did not feel that way for the majority of my life but I'm still getting um used to it so I just want to again give you your flowers I really really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me um is there anything else you want to leave the listeners with
1: yeah I just want to say thank you Camille for having me on the show this has been an amazing conversation especially in the spaces where you know I I'm not really challenged to think about my blackness as much or not really ask these questions. And so I feel like it's always important to be grounded and to have podcasts like yours that um, kind of just bring you back to who you are at the root um, and allowing you to share your experiences with other people. So I want to say, thank you. Thank you so much for your space and inviting me on here. And then also just to the listeners, if there's something that you Feel that's like a burning in you that you, you know, you're very passionate about that you want to do. Don't be afraid to share that with the world. Um, there are so many people who are just living life and unable to really fulfill their passions or to go after their dreams. And then they're working at jobs that they don't feel fulfilled in just because they have to, you know, make ends meet. But I, I promise you, if you just take a leap, that doesn't mean leave your nine to five. I'm not saying that, <laughs> but just starting to work on your passion day by day. If it's writing, writing a little bit in your journal day by day, I, it's, it goes a long way and help making you feel fulfilled and positioning you to be in a position of service to share that with the world because somebody else might be needing that push that you needed as well. So that's going to leave you with that. Um, but thank you for the grace and space here. It's been amazing. Of
0: course. And to the listeners, thank you so, so much for tuning in. Remember to rate the podcast. It helps us get discovered by other people and we'll see you next week. Bye.